Chapter 13 Oh man, she's going for a cab! I yelled as the hotel doorman waved for a taxi. Traffic's pretty bad. Maybe we can stay with her, Rachel said. Not by staying in the air, we can't, I said grimly. You have a plan? Rachel, I have a plan even you will think is insane, I said. See that cop car? Go in the same general direction as the cab? See the lights on top? Rachel laughed. Okay, that actually is insane. Let's do it. We dove, hurtling down out of the sky. What I had in mind wasn't exactly subtle. It was dangerous and would make heads turn as we raced through the city streets. But it could possibly work. The red lights atop the police car were mounted on a raised bar. There was a light at either end and a couple of feet of open bar between. The cab headed east down a major boulevard. So did the police car. They were only doing 20 miles an hour in the traffic, but hawks and eagles can't just fly long distances in a straight line. We need to turn to ride the thermos upward. Even at 20 miles an hour, the cab could lose us. Down we swooped, turning height into speed. Down, down, me slightly in front. Rachel, line up behind me, but watch the turbulence from my wings. She lined up behind me, and we swept down from 20-something floors up to just above street level, executing a smooth glide path that an airline pilot would have been proud of. Keep up your speed! We're going faster than them. We'll overshoot! Rachel cried. Are you telling me how to fly? No, sir! Rachel yelled in that giddy way she gets whenever she's an inch away from utter disaster. Ha-ha! The cop car moved horizontally. We came down at an angle. The two lines would meet... Now! Flare! I swept my wings forward, killed just a hint of my airspeed, opened my talons, spread them wide, and... Yes! Snagged the crossbar and held on. Rachel grabbed with one talon, but missed with the other. She folded her wings and the wind current slammed her back. Keep your profile! I cried. Open your wings! Surf! Don't ride! Somehow, she made sense of my gibbering. She lunged with her other talon and caught the bar. She muscled her body forward into a flying profile. She spread her massive wings. And off we went, a red-tailed hawk and a bald eagle, riding the roof of a cop car. Wings opened, beaks forward, talons strained to take the pressure. Now this doesn't look too strange, Rachel laughed, still high from the rush of danger. Drivers behind and beside us stared, mouths open, some to the point where they barely avoided crashing into one another. But the police beneath us remained oblivious. 
Someone is going to yell to the cops that we're up here. I worried. Nah, Rachel reassured me. No one goes out of their way to attract a cop's attention while they're driving. We'll be saved by people's guilty consciences. One very odd-looking police car continued down the boulevard, shadowing the cab from a distance of three or four car lengths. We rode for two miles that way, till we'd reached the edge of the city, out where the buildings grew smaller, older, and shabbier. We were passing the airport. A big 747 roared by overhead. And then... Ah! Red lights swirled all around us. The car surged forward. Wind resistance doubled, and I could barely hold on. Then came the siren. Think police sirens are loud? Try having better than human hearing and being eight inches from the siren itself. Then add four jet engines from a slow-moving jumbo jet. Ah! They got a call! The cop car took off. In a second, we'd pass the cab. No! A sudden turn, and the cab and police car were separating at a rapid clip. Too fast for us to keep our wings open. We were moving at 50, maybe 60 miles an hour. We closed our wings and hunkered down as close to the bar as we could crouch. I tucked my head low and kept my tail feathers tightly closed. Now we were just along the airport. Another jet, a smaller 737 this time, was readying for takeoff. But before it gathered speed, Something much smaller rose from the tarmac. A helicopter. The helicopter lifted off and headed at right angles to us. It was going the same direction as the cab. I have another really bad idea, I said. No. I'm doing it, I yelled. How do I do it? Rachel screamed. Time it. Release. Just a little tail for lift. Barely open your wings. Use your head to turn. When? Now! I released my grip. I opened my tail feathers and cocked them ever so slightly upward. So little wing that my wings might as well have been tail fins of a rocket. And good thing, too, because I was a rocket. I blew through the air like a feather missile, catching just enough lift, turning with only a slight movement of my head. I shot up beneath the helicopter, Swerved to match its direction, rolled over on my back, opened my talons, and... Ow! I took the jolt as my talons closed around the strut of the landing skid. Rachel was just behind me. She turned and opened her talons, but she hadn't prepared for the severe downdraft of wind from the helicopter's rotors. A miss! Rachel's talons missed their mark, and she wasn't going to get another shot. I'll see you later! I yelled at her. Not much later, she laughed. Take a look, the cab pulled in down there. I had pulled off a completely impossible move, for absolutely no reason. It was still way cool, Rachel said. But she laughed some more as I released my hard-won grip on the helicopter and floated in embarrassment toward the dirt field where the cab was now disgorging Aria. Chapter 14 It took a moment for me to realize what I was looking at. It was a shabby-looking building from the air, but the truth is, most buildings look pretty bad from the air. You just see roofs and air conditioners. The building itself was one story, but with a false facade that would have made it look much bigger to a person approaching from ground level. 
It was fronted by a dirt parking lot with a few cars. In the back was a dirty green lagoon, shallow water bordered by a rickety-looking wooden railing. There were two alligators sunning themselves on the mud banks of this tiny lagoon. The lot to the left of the building was a liquor store. To the right of the main building, seemingly attached to it, was a miniature golf course. The theme was apparently pirates. A plaster pirate ship served as a centerpiece. It's one of those crappy roadside zoo things, Rachel reported, having swept low enough to see the garish sign clearly. It's called Frink's Safari Land and Putt-Putt Golf. Catchy name, I said. It's just a good thing Cassie isn't here. She hates these places. I mean, she hates these places. She'd have us go in there and free all the animals. Maybe that's why Arya is here, I suggested. She's a nature photographer, after all. She must hate places like this, too. Maybe, Rachel said skeptically. I banked a turn and went low to check out a sort of marquee that advertised to passing cars. It was one of those signs where they use big plastic letters. The sign said, All new, deadly midget freak, the living razor. Oh man, we have trouble, I said. Will it involve trying to snag onto a helicopter in midair? Rachel asked with a laugh. And by the way, it may have been unnecessary, but it was so cool. The Living Razor, I said, quoting the sign. Deadly Midget Freak. What's a Living Razor? Rachel wondered. Don't know for sure, but I have a bad feeling about this. I think we need to get inside that building. Well, we could demorph to human and walk right in, if we had money for a ticket. Demorph to human? Not me. I had to morph to human. I let it go. It's two bucks each, I said. I have to learn how to morph a credit card. We could always sneak in as cockroaches, I said. I doubt a couple of roaches would ever be noticed in that place let alone a couple of houseflies. Oh man, I hate doing insects. You know... Uh-oh, I feel a Rachel idea coming on. Oh please, after your idea of riding a cop car, then rocketing off to grab a helicopter? You're going to diss my idea? Okay, fair enough. I was just noticing there's only one old man watching the front door. And I have to tell you, I don't think all his hair is exactly real. What? Head for the Putt-Putt pirate ship. We can demorph from there. I'll be right along. With that, Rachel swooped down from the sky on a glide path toward the old man, who is sitting on a stool just outside the door to Frank's safari land. Talons open, she raked the man's head. Hey! he yelled. That's my hair! The big bald eagle flew slow and low, carrying what looked like a dead muskrat, but was in fact the man's toupee. The man took off after her. I headed for the big plaster pirate ship. A few moments later, Rachel joined me, laughing as she demorphed. Okay, what did you do with that poor man's toupee? Well, let's just say one of those alligators has a whole new look. 
We demorphed inside the dusty, cobwebbed interior of the fake ship and had to squeeze out through a tiny access door. No one stopped us. No one noticed then or when we walked brazenly through the front door of Frank's Safari Land. Chapter 15 Inside, it was about what I'd expected. A very sad place. Miserable, unhappy animals, in cages a tenth of the size they should have been. Dim lighting was swallowed up by the black-draped walls. A mangy fox paced restlessly. A pair of lynx slept, crammed into a cage that would have been small for a house cat. There was an aged barn owl, an adolescent deer, a pair of sheep. There was a Shetland pony in a circular pen, saddle on its back, saddle sores plainly visible. A sign said, Pony Rides, 250. A small female black bear was in a cage so low she could not rear up to her full height. Rachel leaned close to whisper in my ear, I was going to say we shouldn't tell Cassie about this place, but you know what? Let's do tell her. She'll get Jade to go along with stomping this horrible place out of existence. What is the matter with people? I mean, I'm not exactly Miss Tree-Hugging, Don't-Eat-Meat-Let-Animals-Vote, but come on, this sucks. They want to treat a bear like that? I'll come back here and introduce these dirtbags to a real bear. See if Frank can stick my grizzly in a little cage. I'll cage him. I smiled with my human lips. The thing is, I knew Rachel wasn't exaggerating. If Jake didn't stop her, the Frank of Frank Safari was going to be getting a visit from a big, shaggy, very annoyed, seven-foot-tall grizzly bear. Then we went around a dark corner into a small side room. There stood Arya and a man. I backed away quickly, but not so quickly that I failed to see the occupant of that small room. There, in a raised cage, with two spotlights intersecting on him, was a young hork -Bajir. He was only three feet tall, practically a newborn by hork standards. His blades were very sharp, like human baby teeth are, but small and not as rigid or dangerous as an adult's blades. His tail was stubby, barely formed. The forehead blades were just bumps. His clawed hands were wrapped around the bars of his cage. He was gazing with pathetic hope at Arya. Whoa, Rachel whispered. Yeah. We glided back out of sight, not that either Arya or the man with her had noticed us. Look, lady, I'm not trying to bust your chops here, but if you want to take pictures, that's extra. But Mr. Hollowell... Call me Frank. Okay, Frank. I'm a professional nature photographer. I would be happy to give you some copies of the pictures in payment. The man sneered. I need a picture of the freak? I'll take a Polaroid. Uh-uh. This little monster is gonna make me some cash. I've already contacted a newspaper. They're sending a guy out. He decides this is a good freak. He'll pay thousands. Arya hesitated. And he would... Disseminate these photographs widely? Publish them? The man looked at her like she was weird. Now, what else would he do with them? Arya nodded slowly. Yes, of course. She looked again at the young hork and repeated thoughtfully. Yes, of course. So let me ask you, lady, since you're a big nature photographer and all, 
What is that thing? You don't know? Frank shook his head. This guy comes driving up with this thing lashed to the back of his pickup truck. Says he saw it out wandering around the side of the highway. Asked me what I'd pay for it. I gave him 50 bucks. You made a good deal, Arya said. I'm sure he's worth more than that. So what is it? That's what I'd like to know. Arya shrugged. I don't know. I've never seen anything like it. But you know, you shouldn't call it a freak. Not politically correct, huh? Frank said knowingly. It's not that, Arya said. It's just that it's like nothing I've ever seen. No animal I know. She smiled. You could present it as an alien, and no one would be able to dispute you. Alien, huh? Frank nodded. Hey, that's not a bad idea. Lots of crazy people out there believe in all that UFO, space alien crap. Yes, and while you're changing things, maybe you could show a little humanity to these animals. They need bigger cages, more light, more fresh air, at the very least. I'll think on that, Frank said with an expression that said he'd do no such thing. Arya turned and walked away, rushing past Rachel and me. I turned my head away so she wouldn't be able to recognize me later. We followed Arya at a safe distance, trying to look like we were scoping the caged animals. Arya stepped out into the bright sun and looked around expectantly. Seconds later, a black limousine came tearing into the dirt parking lot, raising a cloud of dust. The limo pulled to a stop, and the driver jumped out to open the door for her. I stared with my weak human eyes as she stepped in and sat down. For a moment, the door remained open, and I could see her as clearly as human eyes would allow. She was looking in our direction, but could not see us. She was in sunlight, and we were in dark shadow. Arya gazed thoughtfully up at the Frank safari sign. There was a flicker of a smile, but no more. Who are you? I whispered. The driver shut the door, and she was gone. Hello, Phantomorphs, and thank you for listening to another episode of Audiomorphs, the Animorphs auditory experience. As always, this is your host, Daniel. I don't have too much to say this week. I'm also feeling a little under the weather. I uh, have uh, just a touch of uh, food poisoning, I think. Ate something weird for lunch. Did not agree with my stomach. Um, but it's okay. We're going to keep on pushing through because <laughs> I also have uh, things to do uh, this weekend. So not going to let this hold me down. Enough about my stomach. Thank you for listening. I have uh, one thing that uh, was sent in to me, which is a uh, longtime listener, Willis the Arths, has sent me some AI-generated images based on the prompt, oh, loud car outside. That's not the prompt, they're just actually a loud car outside, and you'll probably hear it in this recording because, again, it's very hot still, and um, I'm not closing my windows for these after-show notes. But uh, Willis sent me uh, some AI images created with the prompt uh, Audiomorphs and Animorphs Listening Experience. They're pretty spooky. I think I'm going to post them on Twitter. Uh, thank you for sending them in. That's all I got. <laughs> um, if you'd like to send in anything uh, like Willis did, he did that through Gmail, which you can do at audiomorphscast at gmail.com. You can also write in on Tumblr. That's 
audiomorphscast.tumblr.com, and of course my website, that's theapodcalypse.com. The Apodcalypse, like Apocalypse, but with a D in the middle. You can also reach me on Twitter, at Audiomorphs, and that's also where you should check if I'm ever late. Like, I might be next week. We'll see. Other than that, uh, Apple Podcasts, leave me a rating and review if you'd like. And uh, tell a friend, tell a family member, tell a loved one, um, tell a stranger. And, uh, I don't know. Things suck real bad in America right now, so stay safe out there. <laughs> and, um, I don't know, don- donate to um, some some abortion funds or something. I'm extremely tired um, and extremely hot, so I'm just gonna I'm gonna sign off now. <laughs> My name is Daniel, and I believe one day the Andalites will come. Until then, we fight.